from the Diocese of Gallup, welcome to Crozier Cast. I'm Suzanne Hammonds, Director of Communications, and as always with me is your host, Bishop James Wall. Bishop Wall, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, Suzanne. How are you? Good. We wanted to talk a little bit today about Catholic schools because this week is Catholic Schools Week. And so it's the national, for those who don't know, it's the national week set aside specifically to recognize and promote Catholic education in the United States. So a lot of times dioceses will have big Catholic schools masses or they'll, all the schools will have special activities for the, the children and the parents to sort of get engaged. Um, but we, we're going to bring you an interview um, with some people on the ground who've been directly affected by education in a, a different episode. Today I think we wanted, or Bishop, uh, you wanted to look um, sort of a, a more philosoph- philosophical view of education. Sure, so, I think we can talk a little bit yeah. about our diocese, maybe some of that, and get into that. And one of the reasons why we do this at this time of the year is on um, the 28th of this month of January is the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, and he is the patron saint of Catholic schools, educators. And, uh, you know, he's a brilliant, brilliant man, faith, faith-filled man. And so that's why Catholic Schools Week is always in conjunction with his feast day. It kind of lands right in the middle of it. So Catholic Schools Week uh, starts on the Sunday, which is the 28th, and it goes until the 3rd of um, February, which is actually a feast of St. Blaise. That's when everybody goes out to get their throats blessed. You can go to Mass and get your, your throats blessed on that day. And uh, Thomas Aquinas is a great role model for students also because isn't it true that uh, for a while he was very shy and he, they actually called him the, the dumb ox because he struggled in, in some ways. He was very large, yeah. <laughs> which is where he gets the term ox. Yeah. And then also one of the reasons they said is when they would ask him a question, he was such a deep thinker, it appears it appeared as if he didn't know. But he would take his time to formulate his answer and then, and then give his answer. So that's kind of where he gets that term. At least that's how the, the story though goes that he, he, he gets that term. Um, but this, you know, this is an exciting week. I'll be in, in Phoenix, uh, as in the Arizona Catholic Conference. We'll be meeting with the legislators of the state. But also we have a uh, Catholic schools mass because our diocese, diocese is part in Arizona. And we'll have a Catholic schools mass. And then we'll have a rally at the state capitol. And I, usually we have some of our students from St. Michael's Indian School uh, arrive and sometimes they'll play the flutes, uh, do the Navajo flutes, and we have a big rally and the governor will come out and talk and it's it's pretty exciting. And one of the things that we, we kind of celebrate and, and uh, promote is in Arizona since I think 1997, we've had a tuition tax credit. And what it is is, is uh, residents of the state of Arizona are di- able to direct a portion of their state tax toward a particular school. And the reason for that is we say that, you know, parents should have the option of deciding where and how their children are educated. They're the ones that should decide that. And so with the tuition tax credit, you know, it opens the option for private education, charter schools, um, and for the parents to be able to choose. And it doesn't matter if they're rich or poor or middle class, everybody should have that op- option. And it's been great. It's been wonderful. I hope we eventually get that in the state of New Mexico because it will help our schools all over the place. But the most important thing is it gives the parents the opportunity to choose where their child goes to school. Again, regardless of their, their uh, financial background. Yeah. 
Well, I think some, one of the things, um, I th- it, it, the week is mostly focused on, uh, I think, K-12 education. Um, but there's also, I think, in our in this country, we're blessed to have a great number of Catholic universities and colleges, which also fall under Catholic education. Um, and so you had a time when you traveled to uh, Rome, I believe, and this for is when... Ad limit well, visit yeah. back in 2012. Well, can you explain what that is real quick? Sure, an ad limit visit is... Every five years, um, each diocese is given an accounting of their diocesan activity. And so by region, and our region is Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, uh, Colorado, and Wyoming, the bishops of there, will go to, uh, to Rome, and they'll meet with different congregations, different prefects of congregation. You end up meeting with the Holy Father, too, and you discuss different aspects of your diocese. It's, it's, a, it's, it's quite the... the uh, Quite the endeavor, it really is. I've done it just once, and um, it's supposed to be every five years, but um, the last one was eight years because of the death of John Paul II and then the election of Benedict, and now I think we're following a little behind too because I think our Holy Father Pope Francis suspended all the ad limina for the year of mercy. I think he, he felt he was merciful by giving us all a break, as well as himself, and so I don't know when our next one's going to be, but the last time... My only time was with Benedict, and it was his last year as the, uh, the acting uh, pontiff. And um, the first day you go for meetings and discussions, and then we were one of the regions that were invited back the next day. And we were invited back for a teaching, a discourse on, on, uh, on Catholic education. And it, it, was a, it was an amazing time. It really was. And about halfway through his, his uh, teaching with us, you know, he was a brilliant man. He, was, he himself was a teacher. I, I had this, this moment, I thought, this is uh, playing out of the scriptural passage where our Lord tells St. Peter to strengthen the brothers. And here we had the successor of St. Peter and some of the successors of the apostles, and we were being strengthened through his teaching. It was a great moment. He, was, he, was a, he is an amazing man, a brilliant man. And one of the things I think we talk a lot about is Catholic identity. And that seems to be a term that gets thrown around. But I, I, he, he had a, just a great, a great little quote when he, he said that, uh, that you know, Catholic identity, you see, you know, he said Catholic schools and colleges have failed to challenge students to reappropriate their faith as part of an exciting intellectual discoveries which mark the experience of higher education. So, you know, it's not enough to just simply say we have Catholic education and maybe we have religion for one hour a day, and maybe our, our students go to, to Mass once a day, or maybe we fit prayer in throughout the day. You know, that's kind of compartmentalizing things, but it really has to be in every aspect of what we do, no matter what the topic is, no matter what it is that we're doing or discussing. The Catholic education has to be present in everything that we do, and I think that's, that's what our Holy Father was, was getting at. I just I think that's a, a, a great little quote and you know, he takes he, he talks about you know our faith you know he says a faith by its very nature demands a constant and all-embracing conversion to the fullness of truth revealed in Christ so again he, he takes that the notion of a constant so it's it's not we okay we study math and now we study history okay now this is our religion time whereas it should be from start to finish start to finish for our students, for our teachers, for our staff members, 
Um, when I when I was a pastor in Phoenix, we had the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, and and we had some wonderful sisters, two in particular, Sister Maria Christie and Sister Martin Therese, were teaching in our school. And every time I went into the class, you could see that, you could really see the the Catholic identity shining forth. And we had other you know lay teachers as well, but I just remember, and that did outstanding jobs. I just remember with the two sisters, you you. It was so much a part of everything that they did, and uh, you could see the impact that it had on the students too. Yeah. You know, they were, not only did they know Catholic identity, they might not be able to identify the students, but they were living it out, and it and it had an impact on them. And then the neat thing is they became little evangelizers, and they would evangelize their families. Well, like here is uh, in this, he has this line about the you know the faith. Um, Students have a right to the faith, including its intellectual richness and its radical demands. And I think sometimes in our society we divide faith and science or faith and reason and put them at odds with each other. When, you know, the tradition of Catholic education is, uh, I mean, I'm going to butcher his last name, but it's George Lamarck who, who posited the Big Bang Theory. And then there's, um, you know, the, the monk that started genetics and all these all this great rich tradition. Mendel, yeah. Mendel that's right, yeah. Um, and I feel like sometimes that gets lost in our modern society, this idea that they have to be kept separate, you know? Yeah, that, that they're, they're, they're in opposition to one another, which is actually ridiculous. And, um, and then it almost says it's, it's a, there's a separation between the two. You have religion or people of faith, and then you have science or people of science. And in a sense, it almost becomes a, a god for people. And they see them opposed to one another, but they're not opposed at all. Yeah. Not at all. Well, he also mentions here the radical demands, and I think that can be tough too. If we see, um, like, if there's a, a church or a university that's maybe their their funding is being threatened because they refuse to change the teachings of the church, you know, a lot of times the we have to have universities who are also uh, willing to stand for what the church really teaches. Yeah, we, you know, we talk about separation of church and state, and I think in our society and our culture they've completely flipped that around. And the whole purpose of separation in church to state is to ensure that uh, the practice of the relig of, of religious freedom. That's the whole purpose of it, so that the the state isn't imposing any anything on them or prohibiting them from practicing their faith. That's that's the whole purpose of it. But uh, many people, I think, especially because our society is becoming more and more secular, many people interpret that in the wrong way. Yeah. What are some other quotes um, from this? talk that he gave that you were you were present at that really stood out to you that you could fit with the mission and teaching or was there was there sort of just a general overall feeling you got from being present during this i mean it was amazing just to say that we had um we had this holy father who i think is you know time will tell but i think in 100 or 200 300 years they're going to look back and see the pontificate of benedict the 16th and they're going to place him with the great minds of the church, people like uh, Augustine and Thomas Aquinas and Bonaventure, they're gonna—I think—they're gonna put him in with these these brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, men, and uh, so you could see that when he was giving us this teaching. My overall impression that he was giving us this teaching—that this was something that was very near and dear to his heart—and I think one of the things we see about Benedict the Sixteenth was uh, he was and continues to be an absolutely brilliant teacher and he's he seems to be skilled in in all sorts of different disciplines like the fathers of the church like some of these great great men 
uh, that I that I spoke about. You know, uh, you know spirituality, uh, the, you know, dogma, uh, scripture. He just he kind of effortlessly effortlessly moves in and out of them and and uses them together. I think in a, just a powerful and a beautiful way. So what, since you had I mean just the privilege to be present here, um, not only with him but with Brother Bishops. Was there anything uh, particular that you brought back that you you that was inspired by this that you brought back with you to ministry? Well, I, I think that uh, that one quote that I use, and I'll, I'll say it again. You know, faith by its very nature demands a constant and all-embracing conversion to the fullness of truth revealed in Christ. And one of the central themes that Benedict the Sixteenth spoke about and taught about through his pontificate was he talked about friendship with Christ. And the scriptural passage that we know goes well with that. Jesus says, they said, he, you are my friends if you keep my commandments. And so that deep and intimate friendship with Jesus, that encounter with the living Christ, you know, how do we strengthen that? How do we remain in that? And Jesus says, we remain in that um, by, you know, by living out, abiding in the truth, but uh, by keeping his commandments. And a lot of times I think people will look at commandments as these restrictions on freedom but that's a, the complete opposite. Uh, the commandments help us to truly, you know, live a true sense of freedom, because the ultimate sense of freedom is is found in Christ. Yeah, he's not he's not restrictive. He offers us eternal life. He offers us forgiveness of sins. That's real freedom. We're free from death. We're free from sin because of that encounter with Jesus Christ. So that that friendship with Christ, or as Pope Benedict says, that constant and all embracing conversion to the fullness of truth revealed in Christ. Yeah. So you are about, um, I guess within the next month or so, I think, to kick off a series of visits to Catholic schools, correct? I so, am. Um, what does that look like each year? What, what do you do? What do you try to get across to the students and the teachers? Well, what we usually do is we have Mass, so that's always you know, the most important thing we can do as Catholics. Um, afterwards, uh, depending on what time it is, usually we'll have a meal together, and then I start visiting classrooms. and. And the classrooms are great, and you, I try to engage the students according to the level. You know, you always have to know your audience. I always find the most entertaining is the kindergartners and the first graders. They, uh, they don't have much of a filter, yeah. and they'll ask you all kinds of questions. And uh, the older kids do, too. I mean, I just, I absolutely love it. As a, as a pastor, as a priest, actually, I was never in a parish that didn't have a school. And so I, I, I love Catholic education, and I believe in Catholic education, and so it's it's always great for me to be able to do that. I wish I could do it a little more, but you know the demands on a bishop's schedule doesn't allow us to do that. Well, that's one of the benefits of having this uh, Catholic schools mass that we have coming up um, in our own diocese at the cathedral. Is it allows all of the children um, instead of being visited at their separate schools, which there's a benefit to that. They also can come together and visit with one another, and the teachers can see each other and. Yeah, well, we kind of we cluster some of our schools, especially around here. We cluster some of our schools, and it's fun. It's it's a bit of a day off for them, like a field trip, and they get to interact with one another. We do things by by grades. Uh, they get to be friends with one another, and I think one of the neat things is once we do this every year, they start to see each other, look for their friends, uh, the people they met last year, the ones they hung out with, and um, so we I, we have an outstanding superintendent. Uh, Jeanette Souter does a, a great job, super, super creative, and uh, so they come up with ideas like that. Yeah, we're very lucky to have her, 
And she also, one of her ideas that I think we should touch on briefly is the last year or two, I think two years, she's initiated a, it starts off, I think, at the Catholic Schools Medicine essay contest. So students will write about a book or a particular topic, and uh, she picks the winners, and then uh, a handful of them get to come visit, and they get a personalized tour from you. Yeah, we have lunch, usually pizza. That's always popular. Yeah. And uh, they'll get a tour, and the, the very first one, this is how the tour started. The very first one was they read The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And now we've kind of expanded it to age-appropriate, some of the books for age-appropriate. And um, so they wrote about The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and then they were able to receive a, 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 a tour of the cathedral. And so that's what we've, we've done every year. We do a tour of the cathedral. They, they, they love it. Uh, the, the thing that they most get, mostly get excited about is when we go down into the crypt. That's where uh, the bishops that served in this diocese are buried. And so that's always the exciting thing. And um, I always talk, we have beautiful windows in our cathedral, so I talk about the windows. And it's amazing uh, how the, the students pick up on things or maybe even point things out that we haven't seen. And so they really keep you on your toes. You have to know as much about the windows as possible. They tell a story about Christianity. They tell a story about our diocese. Yeah. So um, as we mentioned earlier, our listeners will get to hear from students and teachers in, in a, another episode. But as we kind of move into the end of this one, where we're reflecting on the general philosophy of education, is there, is there anything else that you would like people to know or to touch on about Catholic schools? Well, I, I think the most important thing is for Catholic education is that we provide, is that we provide at every moment of the day, and that's the Catholic identity, provide for every moment of the day that um, encounter with the living Christ, which provides an opportunity for, you know, that sense of conversion. Jesus, when he first came, you know, he preached, he preached repentant, he preached repentance, he preached a conversion of heart. And then after the conversion, it draws us into that deeper sense of, uh, of communion with our loving God and with one another, realizing that it's, we're not alone, but it's our loving God and with one another. So for Catholic ed, uh, school to be authentically Catholic, that must be present at all time, or that opportunity must be present at all time. You know, we don't impose it on someone, but we simply propose it. And we do is we propose the truth, and ultimately the truth is found in Christ. And maybe we should do an entire separate episode on just the, the writings of uh, Pope Benedict, but if somebody you know, kind of would like to learn more about him, he was sort of a quieter pope sandwiched in between two very sort of rock star popes. Sure. They'd like to read some more of his work. Do you have a particular book you recommend? I would say his first um, encyclical, uh, he, he wrote three encyclicals that were beautiful, but his first one is Deus Caritas S, God is Love, and it kind of surprised the whole world. I think they were, they were expecting he would come down and put the hammer down, and what he, you know, he talked about that virtue of love, and that's probably my favorite. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautifully written uh, encyclical, Deus Caritas S, God is Love. And I think it's the one that's most accessible. So, you know, we're approaching Ash Wednesdays on Ash Valentine's Day this year. And, um, and so uh, that might be something good to read on that day. And, uh, and, or not just on that day, but to start it on that day. And maybe use that as, as reading throughout the, uh, throughout the Lenten season. Because he really does talk about that virtue of love. And Lent provides us an opportunity for the conversion of heart. So we are loving, right? And loving as we're, we're called to. All right. Anything else that you'd like to touch on? No, I, I think um, I'd just like to maybe say to some of our parents, if you 
not having your child isn't in Catholic education to um, consider it. That's beautiful. And uh, we educate well. We educate our students uh, score very high on standard testing. And when a lot of them, when they go off to college, they're, they're very, very prepared for college. So I would uh, just encourage that. And, and, uh, and then, you know, our, our schools are also uh, schools of evangelization. We're teaching our young, young ones to how to be evangelizers, and we're all called to that. Great. All right. Thank you, Bishop Wall, for sitting with us. And thanks again to our listeners. As always, you can leave us uh, a rating or a review that helps us reach others. You can find us on iTunes, uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. And we will see you next time for another episode. from the culture of death and, and to be, you know, you know, strong advocates for the gospel of life. That's, those are terms from uh, the great Pope St. John Paul II uh, talked about. We were in the culture of death and what we have to be about, really what everybody has to be about, because even from the natural law uh, point of view is, is the gospel of life. Excellent. We've been afforded that gift, yeah. and shouldn't everybody else be afforded that gift? Excellent. And if our reader, if our listeners, as always, have any questions, comments, or concerns, we encourage them to reach out. You can find a link below to send your questions to us, to Bishop Wall. You can follow us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating. And as always, we will see you next time for another episode. Bishop Wall, thank you. Thank you. God bless.